Hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well and you have had an amazing couple of weeks since the last episode. I have a guest today. Her name is Bridget Morris. We have been friends for a few years and have a lot in common regarding motherhood and our goals of supporting women. So I invited her to be on the podcast to have an interesting conversation around fertility and teaching our children what that means and the age we begin to teach values around sex and sex education and family values. And so as usual, this podcast just gets into a conversation with interesting women to teach you more about conscious motherhood and bring in new views and values into your life, particularly around spirituality and um, God. So I hope you enjoy this conversation today. If you have any questions for me, please reach out to me at mysticalmotherhood.com. You can find all my books on Amazon and on my website at mysticalmotherhood.com. I have I am the author of three books, about to publish my fourth. First book is Mystical Motherhood. Second book is called Fertile. And the third book is Alchemy of Becoming. My fourth book will probably be released in the next year. And it is more about family values and... Um, the problem with relationships on this planet right now. If you have any questions that you want me to answer, feel free to write me at Mystical Motherhood or reach out to me on Instagram. I would love to hear from you any kind of you know issues or problems. If you need any help to work with me one-on-one, please, please let me know. I'm here to help you. I don't like to bring people in to help them multiple times. I like to give you a lot of uh, ideas and advice that will last you for months and months and months. And everyone who works with me privately has extraordinary results and it's worth it. And I usually don't even speak about it because people just naturally come. But if you're interested, I should let people know that I am taking private clients again in my life and I'm open to helping you. Again, thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please leave a five-star review, leave a comment, share this with your friends, or send it out on social media. It helps other women to get in on the conversation and know that there's different kind of information out there to listen to. I hope you're having a beautiful day and enjoy the next conversation. Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. I'm so excited for my guest today, Bridget, and I'm, she's going to introduce herself. We've been friends for a long time. We found each other on social media, and we come back together here and now, and she's doing so many fun things, events and fundraisers. She's an amazing mom of three children, a wife, a Catholic, I believe, yes, or Christian? Not spiritual. Spiritual, she's spiritual. Okay, we'll know it. And definitely having a bit good experience through that. Yeah, and so she's going to introduce herself because everyone introduces themselves better than I do. And then we're going to have like our conversation, like we always do, and see what comes up. But I have some good ideas for today, so I'm excited for everyone listening. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled. I'm ecstatic to be here and connect with you. Um, so what's been going on with me? Well, the last time we spoke, I was just releasing the countdown to baby course, and that was aligning right with my pregnancy. And fast forward to giving birth to Rocco, my now three-year-old during the pandemic, it really kind of 
spun our entire family like into left field. So we, I was very much kind of planning to, to launch this course and to really pour into it as I was raising my child the first year very gently and intentionally. And then all of a sudden, as you know, the pandemic came and the world locked down. So it was me and my newborn, my two other kids, my husband, all quarantined. And it just, I was so sidetracked that the countdown to baby course really just kind of took a back seat and full force motherhood kicked in. And that is honestly what I've been doing full time for the past three years. Along that journey, my personal brand has continued to develop and and my community has grown through really intentional events that um, have been built with my community and with my followers. And those uh, events include experts, uh, women from different areas and walks of life who I really believe uh, are able to inspire and educate my audience. So experts in the field of mental health and birth and wellness, spirituality, um, life coaching, things like that. I've been able to create experiences and events and bring experts on and just really have um, really beautiful times with with my audience. And so I've been focusing on that all while raising my kids. And now life's getting back to normal. I have a now three-year-old. So I really feel like this next year is going to be a really expansive year for me. And I am thrilled for all the opportunities and uh, projects that are going on right now. So what got you started in creating these events? Like what was the moment that you're, I mean, just because you love to throw. So this is interesting. There's everybody has a gift, right? And I was, I've been listening to podcasts um, more on like Jesus because I've become a lot. I know that everybody knows who he is, but I'm just getting to know him. And it's just so funny. But then I've been listening to podcasts about people talking about it, right? And, and, and I heard one yesterday and the girl was like, Paul said that everyone has a gift. And that gift, and you don't always know what the gift is, but once you hone into that gift, um, it is such a blessing, right? And then it becomes a blessing for the entire community and not one of us doesn't have one. Now, a lot of people think they don't have a gift. Do you think your gift is the gift of entertaining or do you think your gift is the gift of education or the gift of throwing a party or the gift of cooking? Because those are all gifts. Absolutely. Well, you know, I completely agree with you that everybody does have a gift and I am so thankful that I have been spending the time with myself to really try to identify and hone in on that gift. And I think it's the gift of connecting women. I think it is absolutely the the gift of me just always wanting to better myself and want to spread that to others and women feeling that and wanting to be a part of it. So I, and I love bringing women together. I love meeting other women. I love introducing other women and all of us to grow together with an intention. Yes. I love throwing parties. I love beauty. I love glamour. So that is just another facet to it. And at the end of the day, to do things that make you happy and spark joy and, and follow that. If drawing makes you happy, keep drawing if you don't like the cold water and you don't like swimming right now, then we don't have to swim. We can go and walk, you know, do something else. So I, I fully believe in, in that theory that we all have gifts. And I believe mine is, is connecting other women, making them feel good about themselves, validating them. Um, and that, that just requires me to constantly 
be doing that for myself as well. So it's interesting because right before I was, I was replying to someone who just wrote me on Instagram, just right before we got jumped on this call and she was showing me her, she said that a lot of times I say in order to awaken others, you have to, or I don't know what I've said in the past, but to awaken the faster the, you can, the faster that you awaken is the more you awaken others. Like the more you talk about it or express yourself or through your creativity. Right. And so she started this blog and she showed it to me and I was just responding to her message and it's it's interesting we're talking about that now because it's like I remember a time in motherhood where I I was still getting my self-esteem, I was feeling a little bit lost, I was feeling these things, and I was like, what is my gift? And I and it and my gift is writing. And I was always told that I was a horrible writer, that and now my writing has gotten better and it's gotten better and better. This last book is just it was my 10,000 hours made to this book. And it comes through more. My gift like is actually honed now. But in the beginning, my gift, um, I was told I was like had a, a learning disorder that I couldn't write and all these different things. Do you think that sometimes you're challenged in where your gift is so that you can really focus on it? Because if someone, maybe it's the opposite. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When we doubt ourselves, um, it, it does make us stronger to have to overcome something. So there's, you've heard that so many times where a teacher told me I could never sing. And I realized, you know, when I finally believed in myself and I, and I, and I started using my voice, I am the best singer ever. And I will say after reading your first two books, I can't imagine your writing even better because it, your writing was already so incredible and it just flowed and it was powerful. It was so powerful that it drew me in. So that's, um, and it's just such an example of when we hone in our on our gifts and we allow them to shine and be something that really inspires us. When you started to throw these parties or like hone in on your gift, did you ever get challenged? And did you ever have like your self-esteem challenge or your ability to, to, to light up the room? Because right now it's like I'm somebody told me this morning is like, I see you in this barn and there's light coming in, but you're not like letting all the light. And that's what I got from the conversation. Do you ever, did you ever feel like in order for your gift to really shine, you got tested by people, by situations in order, you know, and I, Lacey Phillips talks about this a lot. I don't know if you know who Lacey Phillips is, but she, and I, I don't believe in manifestation in the way that people do. I think, man, I think our path is pretty much set. I do think that sometimes we hit against a wall maybe 85 times in order to make it through the keyhole, but we're going to make it through. And it's just kind of our own stuff inside, like how many tests we need to pass or whatever. And she talks about it in that way too. But there's, you know, like there's self-esteem tests, there's, you know, like friendship tests, there's things like what kind of tests did you have to pass to make it to the, the joy in your life and creating like that? It was all my own self-doubt because when I was raised, I was not raised in a, I was raised by a single mother and my parents were divorced. My father was an alcoholic. I spent, you know, six weeks in the summer with my dad. It was, look, you know, now I've met so many other women that have very similar upbringings, but that those, the scarcity and the, the lack really, I would say really changed the way that I viewed myself. So it was the more confident I became in myself, debating my own were quite frankly, more successful than me. And we're doing the things that I wanted to do. So that would just elevate me. That, those are the types of things I needed to overcome at the beginning. And once I started believing in myself and really started embodying the, the 
person and the ultimate woman I wanted to be. That's, I think, when things started coming easier. But my biggest hurdle was just believing in myself because I could easily sit back and say, oh, I'm not qualified to do this. I don't have the community to do it. I don't have the resources to do it. Instead, I was like, I'm making this happen. Women want this. They need this. And this is going to be incredible. And every single time I do that, it is. So it's like, that's my biggest reward. That's the universe responding to me. That's God saying, keep going, keep growing. And I look back on the way that I was raised, having a single mom, the way that that life did inspire me to live the life that I live now. Hmm. And as you've grown these events, which I looked online, they look amazing. Like the photos, it looks so much fun. Like they're real events. Like you're becoming a, a huge event coordinator that could be like, not just, it's like citywide I'm seeing. If you want it to be in the next five years, it would be like multiple cities. And I feel like you already know that. Um, but what were some of the hurdles that you had to go through? Well, it was, I mean, just first of all, before you can you know, throw an event for a community like that, you need to cultivate the community. And so you need to, again, be willing to show up vulnerably, explain what you're doing, why, get people behind you. And that in of itself is a is a is a very big commitment because you don't just wake up and, and get, you know, a hundred people to come and and buy tickets and invest and believe in you and believe in the mission. Um so it's aligning with your audience that that is that's you know huge. And and then of course all the things on the back end, you know, making sure that you have a venue and um putting together gift bags and making it intentional for people coming up with subject matters and experts that are going to actually be impactful and deliver value. Um, and just, again, really thinking about what does your audience want? Mm. So it's, it is like a business, you know, because you want to serve. And for me, it's, it's about having the impact and serving, but also making women feel beautiful and connected. Like, I feel like that's, kind of the juicy part that brings, that almost like brings them in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you were saying you were raised by a single mother with an alcoholic father and had to overcome those things. And that was your generational history. And you know, from my work, that's a lot of what I teach and you've done it. So have a moment of like, wow, you did it. And that's kind of amazing. Like you're clearing the generational history and always it comes up again. But we were talking before we started recording today, we wanted, I wanted to talk about a subject that I see a lot and it happens a lot, but it's when a woman's older and she wants to have a baby and she wants to consciously conceive this baby, but the man hasn't asked to marry her yet. And, and it happened, this happens all the time. So maybe she conceives a child out of wedlock and in hopes that he's going to ask to marry her. And you said that, you know, you just had this conversation. And I said, I don't know why this is coming up and why we need to talk about it. But I feel like it's something we need to talk about today because many people have this happen. And or they are dating and they're waiting for that. You know, they don't have a child yet. And they're waiting and waiting for to find the right guy. And they get held up waiting for the guy to ask to marry them and waste their years. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I think. First and foremost, I do think that when a baby is born, it is a blessing. So taking it a step back, 
I would love in my heart for every woman to have a pregnancy that feels good for them, that feels supportive and loving and and, and, and joyful. And oftentimes when you don't have that partnership, you sometimes don't feel that feel those feelings. Now, sure, you can get it maybe from a sister or whatever, but I think as a woman, there is a I don't know, maybe call me traditional, but I feel like there is a side that does want the traditional mother and father family unit. I do believe that. Now, the fact that again, it's 2023 and and thanks to science, that a lot of women who want to be mothers don't feel as though they need that piece, okay? Uh, a partnership or the man or, you know, someone to kind of come in and, and fill that void. Personally, as a mother of three now and, and, and coming from a family that is broken family, that is my biggest um, kind of like goal right now in life is to keep my family together and, and to stay aligned and present and fully engaged with my husband so that we can be a unit that displays love and joy and authentic connection for our children. Because I think modeling that behavior is going to just, that's how I think we change the world is we create great families at home and we allow our kids to, and and that's the generational change that we really need. And so you know, is it terrible that women are having babies, you know, by themselves? No, I don't think it's terrible. But I do think that our children, I do think that they, they in general, you know, benefit greatly from having a mother and a father union together to grow them. I think that's just me personally coming from a home where I didn't have that and, and really wanting to be able to provide that for my kids. Yeah, I agree with you. And and I'm this is like kind of the new, I mean, my I told you I wrote this book, and there's a part of it where I discuss, I mean, a lot of it I discuss, but I talk about, you know, in the clinic, I was helping women become single moms all the time. Mm-hmm. And now I had to like work through that because that's this, it's this feminist thing of like, I can do it. This is good. And I'm going to do it. And I was all about that. But you know, you have to, in order to know one thing, the truth is just. I've talked about this many times. The truth is just what you is a reality that you're conceiving in that moment. And as you get to know the lies you tell yourself about reality or what you want, I mean, everyone's just essentially living in a lie. And then as soon as you want to break that lie, you have to break the world of like, I just believed a lie. Right. And there's many lies. Like, and the lies are like so thick in all of us. And those are the belief systems. And, Mm -hmm. And changing is hard. But... I think it's, it's too hard to not, you know, to, to do it without some sort of a man. And I, I said this in this most recent book because I had first, and you know, it's, it's interesting. I worked in labor and delivery for so many years. And then I went and trained with Ina Mae Gaskin and I was watching a video of her this morning because I hadn't seen her for so long. And I don't, I think she's still alive. And the moment I saw Ina Mae Gaskin, I knew there was another truth and I quit my job. Like almost like it just all happens. Like once the new truth arrives, the universe will realign itself to align with your new truth. And sometimes that takes 10 years and sometimes it takes a day. And it's it's scary and it's powerful, right? 
And then, so that was one moment I had a truth. And then there was another moment I had a truth where I was in the clinic and I was helping all these single moms become pregnant, you know, helping them pick sperm, helping to impregnate them. And, and I'm believing in them saying, oh, you should be doing this. Cause that's where I was in my life. And I was lying to myself because I had divorced my husband, but now he's a good father. He is there for his kids. I'm not at all alone. So it's not like I, you know, mm-hmm. he has them right now. I had one on a run this morning. It's great. But so it's not like it's a different situation, but it's still not the perfect situation. It still took a lot for me to understand even that break is unsafe and not holy. And so I just mm-hmm. don't believe in it anymore. And, and I think it's too hard. And I, if you're in it, it may be perfect for you, but I don't think it's what is supposed to be intended for children. I think the, as we all know, and well, it make you all mad, but it's it, too hard. It's hard. And you, if you're doing it, I've been there. I've raised these kids. It's hard. And I'm doing, I'm saying it from the perspective of doing it. And you are exactly right that there is definitely a movement and a tone for empowerment and, you know, and, and we're seeing it and this is definitely going to be the unpopular opinion, but we're seeing it throughout multiple, you know, genders. And, and, and it's, and I've talked to midwives, doulas, lesbians i've talked to straight women and and there are so many opinions about the ability to just to now go into conception and motherhood and without really kind of understanding that spiritual piece and once you tie in the spiritual piece i'm not saying religion but i'm saying that spiritual piece that I think we all need to have some sort of a spiritual piece, you know, a piece of that pie into, into conceptual, you know, having our, our, a conscious conception. And that's not happening. It's not happening at all um, a lot of times. Again, there are situations where there's no choice. It's out of their control. Like we're not, this is, I'm not trying to judge any of that, but I'm saying the in in a in a perfect i'm thinking you know for me scenario i i'm trying to cultivate a loving marriage a healthy home a spiritual connection with our children and that is to me how we are trying to live our life as an example to hopefully inspire others are we 100% right i don't know no and and as my life evolves through motherhood we i never even thought i would send my kids to catholic school that being said we have all, we've only attended Catholic school until third grade. We sent our oldest to public school this year. And to be honest with you, it's been a disaster. He's been assaulted physically more times than he's, he's literally never been touched in his life. Never even played contact sports this year, hit five times. So it's like, we we're, we're trying to cultivate a home of peace and love. And I just think it's to be able to have, two parents who can bring that energy into the home. And again, with a spiritual guiding light, that is, I think, how we change the world, you know? So, okay. So now it's easy for us to be here preaching, talking, you know, and everyone's listening and they're like, this is a bunch of bullshit. Like I'm 38 years old. I'm 39. I'm 40. I've been looking for that man my whole life. I'm not effing pregnant yet. I want that baby. Right. And this is a lot of women and they're worked really hard, right? For it. What do we say to them? Because I feel you, you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine, I mean, I can't imagine I've worked in reproductive medicine and I have, you know, 
been older and thought about conceiving. And what do, what do, I mean, there was a, I was listening to a YouTube video and it was some preacher and he was saying like, where are y'all at Adam? And he was like screaming at the men out there. Like what the F is wrong with you all? Like you don't step up and ask to to marry the woman. You don't step up and say like, I get a job. I mean, there's, this is a problem. Like get a, get a, get the proper job or like there's not enough good men. And so that's what I think with women. And I mean, there was a, somebody said that in the future, like women are going to start to marry women because they're so sick and tired of men's closed heart. Well, you were yes. saying you had this with somebody, you know, recently, right? This something had happened that, that you were discussing it with somebody. I, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I don't want to like I'm judging others because everybody's family situation is unique to them. And again, if I, I believe that if you have a, a spiritual compass, then it will you will feel good as a family and the love will be there. And that's really the most important part. However, as you were saying, working through parenthood, working through motherhood, teaching our kids all these things. Yes, I think that and again, the, sending my kids to Catholic school, having this re, religion-ish spirituality influence, it changes the way we view things, especially as our kids get older and we start to realize the trickle-down effect and what's happening like, okay, how are our kids going to raise their kids? So, I mean, I digress, but back to back to what you were saying, what we should say to them is, I mean... At the end of the day, it's not our place to judge them. They are all on their own individual journeys. So oh, I'm not judging anyone. I'm saying right. it just sucks. Right. I mean, well, like I feel like I, I, it just sucks. And I want you to know, like, that just, it's like, it's like, we were talking about what I wanted to talk about before this podcast is, okay, let's say you're in a relationship and the guy's not asking to marry you, but you want to have a baby. So do you conceive before engagement? And he wants to have a baby. Do you conceive before engagement, assuming he'll be a good enough man to ask to marry you? Or do you wait till he get in, you know, asked to marry you and then you grow older? And then if it doesn't happen, then you don't have the baby. So it's like this chicken before the egg thing where that, that, that happens to so many women all the time. And it's bullshit. Yes. And, and a lot of women feel robbed of the opportunity of motherhood and, and timing and, and you know what, I, this, is, this is, again, might be unpopular opinion, but sometimes I feel like, again, the way the journey unfolds, if it wasn't with him, it probably, there was a reason why. And, you know, if it's just, you, we can't predict how our life is going to unfold. So if we're, if we're spending our time with a man, hoping and praying that they're going to come through to be the father that we're dreaming of them to be, despite all the signs that it's not going to happen, then it, it's just, it has to, I believe it should be a very conscious choice whether to, to conceive or not. And once you do, again, back to what I said, babies are blessings and right. take it, you know, as, as a blessing. So knowing what we know, okay, so now we're, now this is a new kind of question for you, okay? This is just a thought. So I have two daughters and I'm, I'm a highly educated woman, um, I know the bullshit in the, the world. I know the New York kind of women, you know, like I know the Midwest kind of women. I know that they're growing up in New York now. So they're going to be more like a New York kind of woman, though. I'm taking them out of that into the simplicity a lot more. But I do now knowing what we know that this can happen and that, you know, you could wait for a man and like, this is the new trend. Some for some people, not for everybody. 
how do we teach our daughters sex before marriage? Or do you, you know, like when people are so sexually active, do we say sex is for marriage? And, or, you know, like, is that, are we just lying to them? Now, now another thing to think about, because this is all big stuff, because basically you're giving up, you're giving it up to a man too early. And then this whole, I think it all comes to having, if we think about where does the issue start with, maybe we're having sex too early and we're saying, we're not saying from the, when we're young in our twenties, I'm, you're going to marry me. Because you're like, oh, I'm young and I'm oh, everyone else waited. And then you get into this trend while you're 39 years old. So do you freeze your daughter's aches? You know, do I mean, a part of me is like, I would want to freeze my daughter's eggs so that they never have to feel this. I mean, I'm not even saying that would work, but where the world is heading, if I did three cycles of freezing their eggs and just paid for it for them, I don't know what their dad would even think, but knowing what I know. And seeing what I've seen, I don't ever want them to be like 39 and marry the wrong guy because they have to have a baby and it's not holy and they're having sex before marriage and they're giving the man what he wants and then they're not getting what they want. So what do we tell these young girls and the moms that are having teenagers right now that are like, I don't want my daughter to end up like that. Like, I don't want them to go with through either. Well, I mean. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think definitely sharing examples of why, you know, why are we even bringing this up? It's because of what we have seen perpetually over and over and over and, and how harmful it can be. Now, that being said, I think we also need to uh, to inspire our our young girls to not maybe feel as though they need to have a baby for fulfillment. You know, I think there are a lot more women that are, that are realizing that maybe being a, a, a mother at this stage in my life, isn't what I want, or, you know, maybe, maybe I don't, I'm not chasing a man. So I think that there's, that's also a powerful thing to remind you know, our younger girls is like, this is, this doesn't have to be something that defines you and you live your whole life for like, I believe in, 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 in raising multifaceted women that, you know what I mean? Have, have a lot of things going on. I, I think it, back in the day when there, when women weren't inspired to go and educate themselves and build careers, they were much more focused on the traditional be, you know, get married when I'm 25 and have kids. I remember thinking that when I was younger, I was going to have three kids by the time I'm 25 and I know, and like, I that was my life. But I'm glad I did. Well, so I'm going to now now that you're saying that opinion, I'm going to flip it on you. And because I, I, this is like like this is how you create a new truth. And mm-hmm. what my my newest book is is that we have it wrong as women. And that this there's a programming going on within our society that's raising these young girls to say you're going to go have a company and all these different things. And I, I I know my daughters could have a company. Their dad is a huge entrepreneur. Like I, I've done the same thing. Like they're like set, like they could come out of the ball running. And I do worry that they're going to be like 40 years old. I don't want to say it. And then be like, shit, mom, I forgot to have a baby, you know, because we're like, this is society now. And this is something women, all of us, every one of you who is listening need to think about for your daughter is there's a new trend happening for this, you know, feminism. And, and, and as a result of that, women, like all these, a lot of women at the end are saying, and they're 43, they're saying, Oh no, I forgot the other part of me. I lost my, my heart opening process, which is motherhood, a lot of it. And so like, 
The other side of it is, are we programming them because we're being programmed on a larger scale of, you know, this is, you can be, you can be successful as a man, but then there's an unhappiness in that because they're like, I don't have the husband. I don't have the family. I have so many friends that have, are there now that are like, I don't know what happened, but I never saw myself this old without children and a family. And I don't know where the years went. Mm -hmm. And I think we're programming these young girls by not saying to them what I only, when my, my daughter asked me where the, the baby comes from and I didn't, I said kissing. Cause I don't know what to say yet. Cause I like literally need to sit down and think of my own values around it. Do I say it comes when two people are married? Do I say it comes when you are completely in a committed relationship? Because we're not teaching holy values anymore. We're saying, oh, the penis goes in the vagina and then you do that and then it feels good. And then you see if the guy likes you. Uh, exactly. And again, this might be the unpopular opinion. And I bring up the Catholic school because my kids are now raised in an environment that is very holy and they are talking about these morals and values. And I know for a fact that the public schools are not, they are the opposite. So this all ties into, yes, I do firmly in my heart believe that they're, again, I don't want to say religion, but that spiritual part that does remind us to have that sense of connection and, I mean, family unit, quite frankly, you know, um, because you're absolutely right. There is a, there is a tone and a messaging that is like, all oh, we don't need a man to fulfill us. We, you know, same thing. We don't need to be mothers to fulfill us, but I think it, we have seen the hardship and we have seen the lack and the pain that being on your own does I guess shy, it does show. And I mean, I was, I was a child of it. Like I definitely was raised by divorced parents and, and I, I do not want that for my own children right now. If it happens, will we get through it and can we survive? Yes. Could we maybe even thrive? Sure. But right now in my life, my goal is to keep a, a family unit, a loving family unit. My husband doesn't drink at all. Um, I do drink a little red wine, but that is something that we, you know, we, we, we knew raising kids that I, I had an alcoholic, but I didn't want them seeing that type of, you know, those things. So again, being moms, we, we are, we change our, our view set evolves. And I think this conversation is really relevant because, you know, I have a six-year-old, she's going to be seven. And she's asked me, she's actually seen my, her birth pictures. So she knows where, she, how she came out and yeah, but, but when, how was she made? That's what she wants to know is. How was she right? Made? I, I don't know I what say to say after yet. mommy. And I told my kids, I said, after mommy and daddy were married, we prayed and we prayed to God and asked God to bring us a baby. I've left it at that because she's six. Now, I mean, you know, I, I hope that she's not watching, you know, all types of sexual scenes, but sooner than later, we're going to have to start talking about penises and vaginas and, and have a quite literal conversation. Um, how that's going to go. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Right. And then, and it's something to think about. I mean, as I'm, I haven't discussed it with them yet because I don't, I, you know, when it comes down to it, like I remember I was having a boyfriend at 16, 17, and then I just got on birth control and I did that, but I just don't want that for them. Now I made, I knew that I wanted to, I was raised in Utah. So I knew that I wanted to be married and have children and I wanted to have it all by, by 25. Like 
And because I had had those values in my, I don't know how I created, I think my grandma's, but like my grandma's are old fashioned, right? So now we're at this generation of like me. So I either have to, to realign with my, the teach them that this is holy children come at this certain age. They come, you know, maybe we should begin to teach our daughters that maybe this is the answer. We say to them, sometimes when you have sex with a boy, they don't honor you in this in the way you're hoping to be honored. And maybe that's how we say it. And we say, you know, this is the reality of the world. Oftentimes you're going to be tempted to give your body up. And 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 boys are not always as conscious as we are or as emotional. So if you find a boy that may hurt you, you may feel hurt in your body and it lasts for a long time. Maybe that's how I'll say it. But I also think we need to start to have education with our young girls of fertility doesn't go that forever. And a lot of these women that come in, come into reproductive medicine clinic, they no one had told them they're not fertile at 43. They didn't even, it hadn't even, it was like the education had, I mean, I have talked to so many women. They're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, who's never told you that? And so maybe if we, there, maybe there should, I should write my next book on it is how do you teach your daughters, you know, to, to sexuality in, in the present age, you know, of, of maybe we need to teach them when they're 14, you're only fertile for this many years. So when you're picking a partner, if you want to think about having a child, you need to think ahead and not give your body up. If the man is not going to honor that and you're not in a sacred relationship. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree with you that our conversation should be sensitive and they should absolutely remind our daughters of their worth a hundred percent and framing it in that tone is I think brilliant because it is very it is very true and real and and that is the reality of the situation because if if we are as mothers are really being conscious with our daughters primarily and having these conversations our job is really to have them with our sons as well um you know but but I think reminding them of of their worth and that these types of situations can happen and they can arise and to be really mindful of the consequences and, and, and the different path that your life could take. Yeah. And also, and then our sons too. So that's a whole nother conversation and equally as important. And there's somebody's got to write a book on this. Maybe I'll be my next book, but like, how do we have these sacred conversations with our young babies and what are the appropriate ages to do so. I mean, obviously it's seven and nine. We're not going to say something about fertility, but nobody taught me about that. Luckily I had my children young enough that it didn't matter and I'm fertile and I don't have those things, but like most women aren't educated. It should be a part of, of the education of your own body. Absolutely. It should. And I, and like you said, edu- educating them and having these conscious conversations should absolutely be happening. And, and you would hope that this would, would be standard with the pregnancy. And as you know, the, the, this type of education and awareness and, and, and these conversations just aren't happening anywhere unless they're being brought up like you're, you're doing now. You know, and I was thinking with like when my first pregnancy was Sage, I don't think I knew. I mean, this is going to, I was so young. I don't think I knew about my cycle. I think we just had sex. And then I was like, whoa, like, I didn't know that there was like five days in the cycle. You could get pregnant. I went to Catholic school. They didn't teach that. I don't know how they did it, but like that school missed it. And so like, I think we just, we were married. So we had sex, but it wasn't like 
we were like, this is the day we're going to have sex. And we looked at an app and like all these different things. We just had sex probably because we said, want to have a baby. He said, do you want to have a baby? I think we had sex one month, probably didn't know it was out of the timing, had sex the next month. And then we're pregnant, right? Now I'm young, he's young. And we still didn't have the conscious conversations, which ended up me writing Mystical Motherhood because I was like, I did it wrong. And I still thought I did it right. And I did it wrong. Like we didn't have the parenting conversations. We didn't have who's going to be the provider. And because my heart wasn't open, I was like, I need to be out there making money. I want to have a job. I want to have a thing. And he was always, you know, no, I'm the provider. I Let me go provide for you. You stay home with the babies. And we didn't ever had that conversation. And now I look at it differently of like, wow, that man allowed me to receive and he allowed me, he protected me enough that I could be in complete being with those kids. And they're incredible now. These, I mean, I'm created, but I didn't, I was so, uh, and that's what this next book is about, is about those roles of the man and the mm-hmm. woman and that we're fighting the natural nature that mm-hmm. what nature has provided. The man is the provider and the woman is the receiver and her, being, in, being in your heart and taking care of the children and having children and doing those things. It is not something to be looked down upon. No. It's the most natural, powerful thing you can ever do as a woman. And yet, like, somehow we're training the girls to go and say to them, go create and be an entrepreneur, create this whole company and do these things. And that's more powerful than the most powerful role you have on the planet, which is motherhood. Well, it's the, it's the energy, the feminine energy and the balancing, I think the feminine energy and the masculine energy that we all have. And you're right. If we push our daughters too much in that masculine role, they may, you know, I don't know. I I hate to even say lose sight of motherhood or, or, or pick a different path. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, you're right. The world is changing very quickly and, and, who knows what the family quote unquote unit will even look like, you know, in, in 10 years from now um, and what will be normalized. So I just think, yeah, having the, having a very conscious conversation is really what it comes down to. And, and talking about that, that spiritual piece and how we're going to motivate and inspire them to have some values. This was a good conversation today. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was. I didn't even know what we were doing. I was like, okay, let's catch Me up. Either. <laughs> I never do. You know, I never plan these things. Not one time. And people get so they go so nuts. They're like, give me the questions. I'm like, I'll never do that. <laughs> and I and I don't listen. And everything I'm saying is just my perspective and my viewpoint. And it is because, again, how I was raised and and the things that I've seen and the and honestly, the 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 women in my community that are around me and the struggles that I have seen come up and arise. So everything you've touched on is so relevant to me right now within my community. And all of these topics are really what I think we're all facing and we're all questioning because, you know, we could easily be, we could be these controlling mothers who want to just really be the ones that are keeping our daughters in a box and watching their every move and telling them where to go and and, and who to, who to see. And, you know, or we can try to just guide them and coach them and remember that we're raising our own, their own spiritual beings and, just try to set the example and educate them the best we can. Now, so you've got your best friend on the phone. This is a question. You got your best friend on the phone and she's, her clock is ticking. 
right? And she's deciding like, do I pull the plug and have a baby with this guy? Because this is a question I get a lot of friends. Or, you know, like, do I just like start to have unprotected sex with him and then he'll ask to marry me or she's waiting for him to marry her? What do you tell her? So to be honest with you, if my friend is like really wanting to be a mom, I want to support my friend. Now, the reality is it is it is going to be hard on your own if you're on your own. Um, does, does it mean you always have to be on your own? No. I mean, you could, you could, you know, call in and manifest and, and find a partner for that if that's what you want. But I do have several girlfriends who are single moms, some, you know, quite a few that consciously conceived through a donor egg, a sperm egg, and they're doing it on their own because they didn't want their dream of, of being a mother to, you know, die and, and they're doing it. And, and I don't look at them and, and look down on them. I just, it's, you know, they've made that conscious choice to do it without a man. So many women. I, yeah. I feel very blessed that I have the situation that I have, that I've, that, 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 that has been something that I have truly revolved my life around is building this family. Others, they don't have that privilege. So, you know, and again, it's like, I'm not trying to judge whatever anybody's situation is. Cause as long as you're happy, you can be a good mom. You can still pour into your own cup, give yourself true self-love and time and space. Then I think you can be a great mom. You can give to your child and, and, and live a good life. Yeah. And I don't blame them for wanting to do that. Like if I hadn't had my kids young, I, I would, I went through it. Like I, I went through it too. Like I went through a period where, but with when I was going through it. So if anyone's out there and you have a friend that's thinking about this, considering this, um, doing it alone, some, some reason it's coming up. So maybe somebody's out there thinking about it. Now you have to, you have to separate your desire to be a mother from your desire to be filled up and loved. Because oftentimes uh, a, a woman will use a child as a trophy or an object that will then make them happy. Like that's what the thing will make them happy, you know, or maybe, you know, this is often with life, like the job or the partner or the thing. And, and none of those things can make you happy except for you making yourself happy. But don't, you have to make sure you go deeply in. You can always work with me if you need help around this, but like to go deeply inside to say like, am I trying to be filled up by a child? And am I, you know, is that child trying to fill a hole in my life and is a trophy that I'm going to be carrying around because I, I, I want to fit in and be with the Joneses and I don't have a baby, you know? So you have to separate the two and really look at it in the long run. Yes, absolutely. And I, and something that I was just thinking about too, is I, I never would want a woman to stay with a man that in an unhealthy relationship. And I think that that's definitely something that I just wanted to, to throw out there because if you're, if you conceive and with a man and you're not in a healthy relationship, I don't think the answer is to stay in an unhealthy relationship no. because of the idea and the, and the, you know, the, 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 the system we've been taught that it's, it, you know, it has to be a man and a woman to have a happy, successful home. No, it, what's most important is safety, your own presence, your own peace. Um, and I think that comes first and foremost. So I just want to, you know, throw that out there to, to women who are thinking, well, you know, I'm pregnant now by somebody we're not married, but, I, we, we should stay together because that's what is expected and what looks good. And that's, you know, the Holy family unit. 
But the bottom line is if you're in an unhealthy relationship, that is definitely not the situation to be staying in. There is this, um, these, I just got some books on it that I should probably talk about. It's coming up. It's called the Gottman Institute, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. So if anyone's having problems in their marriage, I'm actually going to take their courses to be able to be a therapist within that region because I think it's so valuable. But the Gottmans were a couple and I don't, I think they were fighting like crazy and they're both like researchers and scientists and they were like despising each other. So they wanted to see like why people stay together and don't stay together. And I'm starting to like listen to their podcasts and 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 not. And one of my girlfriends who has a really great husband, no children yet, but like conscious woman. And she said that she was starting to fight with her partner. So they went to a Gottman therapist and the therapist just took one hour to explain Gottman therapy. And they got so much out of it. They reconciled. And what Gottman therapy does a lot with what my work is, which is just saying your reactions, everything you're dealing with are just your programming coming up to be healed, right? And what a relationship is, is essentially two people coming together for your insecurities to be healed. And then you, if you can have respect for the other person, you can listen to, you can listen to their needs and their, their criticisms of you and, and not have your, you can drop your pride and say, you're right. I do need to change. And the, and the Gottmans said a few things about like what predicts a, a long-term marriage, but one of the most important things is turning towards each other or turning away from each other. And so you'll see, I mean, and I and I had it in my own relationship, but we were turning away from each other. And so, and it's in the simplest things of like, if you're looking out the window, they'll say like, oh, look, at there's a bird. Now, a lot of times you'll be, if you're with somebody for 10 years, you're like, great, that's annoying. Why are you looking at the bird outside? You have to stop walk over to your partner and say, I think that's the most beautiful bird I've ever seen. And it's like, you don't really care about the bird, but you care that they care about the bird and you care for them because you love, honor, respect them. And it's a lot about respect, particularly a lot of women don't respect men and men don't respect women. You respect what they love and you want to honor what they're seeing. And you have to take that moment to always turn towards your partner, not away. I love that. Yeah, I do love that. And I, and I, and that's where, you know, that intention comes in and, and trust me being married 10 years, I totally can relate to like, Oh, there's a bird, like, come on, we're leaving right now. Like a yeah. bird, you know what I mean? But it's so true. And, you know, God bless my husband. Cause there's just, there's, there's a few days out of the month where I have a, a, a much, you know, shorter tolerance for birds when we're running out of the door. But I try to be intentional with things like that because it, it's all those little moments that really matter and keep you connected and and aligned. And it's now that I'm thinking about like the bird thing, which is just randomly came in my mind, it is about presence. And it's about, it's not that anything else matters. It's not like running to the car matters or going to the soccer tournament or going to dinner matters even more than that bird. Nothing else matters. It's just that in that present moment, there's an experience happening. And if you can slow down enough, which is the heart opening process, which is the heart, the heart is in being, it doesn't really care what's on TV. It doesn't really care that the babies are crying in the other room. It doesn't care because if the male and the female, which is the unity, which is the oneness, the two components of unity aren't in unity, then the baby won't, the baby crying wouldn't exist. And so that always has to come first. That bird has to come first mm -hmm. always. And it's so, it's like, that's another thing we should teach our kids. When somebody is showing you something, take the moment of, of, of stopping 
and listening. I had a friend that would read my work. Well, she became a friend, but more of like, a. and she said, you know, I read your work and then I realized I have never paid attention to my kids once. And that I, the entire time I was raising them, I was always thinking about the next thing that was going to happen. And I missed their whole childhood. But I got that from your work. And I'm thinking, that's the turning towards. And it's not just in our relationship with the male and female. It's the turning towards of, and I had to go through it. Like I had always had a nanny in the way. I always had, you know, like uh, I always had nights out. And because I always was paying the nanny, I would have the nanny in the room because I didn't want to send her home and waste the money. I might as well utilize her. And it was, that's a, the nanny is a separation within the family oftentimes that makes you turn away from your husband. And I mean, unless you're going on a date, which makes sense, but from your children, there's a lot of turning away. So we're programming yeah. our kids of, oh, I'm going to turn away from you. This is more important than you. So yes. someone else is going to turn towards you, right? And I, I trust me, I feel that even when I have my own nanny, because I, I never want my kids to think that they're not important to me. So I have to be so conscious of that when I have the nanny over and like, am I actually needing the nanny? any now to run an errand or to do something or to be productive or is this more or less like just an opportunity for me to turn away not that there's some in my opinion sometimes we are entitled to those moments of you know just separation but in general I think it is absolutely important that our kids do feel that um, turning towards them and that embrace and that presence and that intentionality because it's very obvious when you know, we're running around all the time and they're just, you know, we're not listening. And our kid, I mean, I have three kids and it's all day. Mom, look at this. Mom, come over here. They want your attention all, all day, all day, every day. They want their parents' attention. I'm convinced of that. And that's maybe who's going to be saying, look at the bird, mom. I mean, how many times have they said, look at the bird? And I'm like, I see it. But like, wow, like that's a huge thing to do. If you can start to do that, cultivate that practice, that's a spiritual practice of, Absolutely. oh, honey, I love that bird. Just the, just like, I mean, if all of us listening, okay, so let's, I don't know how many people are listening, but if all of us make a promise that from now on for 40 days, Rather than sitting and meditating in the morning for one hour and doing your workout and your thing and you're selfish, I'm going to be so selfish. And this is what, you know, like I need my alone time in order to be a good mom. It's like, no, hello. Why don't you all, all of us, me included, I'm going to swear I'm going to do this. And when every time they see that damn bird, <laughs> I'm going to go to that window and I'm going to say, I see it too. Look at that. Look at those little feathers. And it's, it, that's, that's God. Oh, that's yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's, cool. that, that's a powerful practice. Turning it is. Mm-hmm, it is, and and they feel it, and you feel it, and that that magic, that feeling that happens is that is world changing because they feel it in themselves, and it just they they just blossom a little more from that. And I see it every single time I do that with everything from coloring a picture, pulling clothes, you know, papers out of their backpack, and I mean, my daughter comes home with folders that are full of papers, like 40 pieces of paper and I'm so, all, that she's written and drawn. And I mean, I have to make sure that I separate them so that I can talk with her and acknowledge how great her drawing is, how great her writing is. So she doesn't feel looked over as the only girl between two boys. And I just, I see it so clearly, but it's, 
mindfulness and the intention that we really need to be giving our children that in the modern world, it's so easy for us to not and also justify not because we're burnt out perpetually. And it's just finding that, uh, you know, sometimes unattainable balance. And it's with the repetition. That's the having, back to tests. Tests, right? We're talking about in the beginning is I get all that paperwork too. And I, I'm like, I can't take it anymore. You know, they keep sending it home. And then there's like, do I have to do it every time? I definitely don't do it enough. You know, I'll say, oh, this looks good. Like, this is a great, you know, how many times have you colored that? This is good, you know, and then you're like, great. And then you like put it away and they get so upset. You're like, why are you throwing it away, mom? I worked so hard. And I'm like, well, we get it every day. <laughs> we have, a... so I put it in a box under their bed last year because I was hurting their feelings, you know, by tossing it. But then I'm like, I need to turn towards and maybe even make like a, a goal three times a day. I turn towards even closer and you can never turn towards close enough and there'll always be more of that and then you teach Mm -hmm. them that that's important Mm -hmm. so you don't create more avoidant or anxiously attached children no not at all and and absolutely it's you know again just the mindfulness to do this and the like you said the consistency because that's what they're going to feel is when it becomes normalized and they can trust that and know that that is what they're going to receive um Right. And then if they can trust you, then they're going to trust you when you say to them, don't mess around with the stupid guys when you're having sex and give up your body, you know, and that's real. Like how many times have we all had sex with the wrong guy and been like, I really hope my daughter doesn't do something this stupid. Like now that I've done that, like, I don't want them to do that. That was stupid. You know, those guys are assholes. Like, and I just like, so if I... Now I know, right? But I like you embody it. And the only way to pass it on the generational history is to just embody it to do it and then to show them through that, the action, you know? Anyway, what a great convo. Anything you want to close with or thoughts you had about anything? Mm, gosh. I I'm I'm you know, I'm I'm very thankful that you allowed me to to just join you in these very thought-provoking discussions because Again, as as our kids are growing and we're under the old, older our kids get, the more we realize the responsibility we have. It's not just being a mother. It's being a conscious mother who understands the direct impact that our children and their children and their children are going to have. It's like that imprint that we're making on the world forever and ever and ever. So I just think it's so important and it's a beautiful opportunity that we all have to change the, 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 the things that haven't worked in the past for us as women and help to inspire and influence positive change and evolution to the next generation. And that happens with conversations like this and the willingness to grow and evolve and learn. And I, I do believe having a, a spiritual practice, um, you know, as a foundation is important. So thank you. And how can people find you if they want to take your course or they want to like join in on your, your, your events on, or if you have an event, can you go online and do it or is it only in person? So right now they're, they're in person. We have one coming up in Detroit, um, which will be June 1st. Uh, we'll be uh, announcing more on that soon. And yeah, find me on Instagram at Bridget Morris or on my website at BridgetMorris.com. Okay, cool. It's great to talk to you. You too.